the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The more you know what you're sharing, the more confident you become in sharing it. And that is what we're doing here on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. We're exploring the gospel, what it means to share Jesus. And as we become familiar and confident in what we know to be true, it becomes easier to share the gospel. We invite you to spend time with us today as we continue our series called Sharing Jesus. We'll begin in Exodus chapter 34. That is where we'll catch up with Pastor Leighton Sheely as we explore what it means to share Jesus and share the fact that God is merciful and he's also just. We're going to put those two pieces of the puzzle together this week here on Study Verse by Verse. Here's Pastor Leighton. We as a congregation have a God-given purpose, and that is to fulfill our part in the Great Commission. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 28, said to the disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now, that commission really is not limited to the church as a whole. It also applies to every individual in the church family. 1 Peter 3.15 says, If someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Well, how do we explain our faith? What do we include? What do we exclude? How do we sequence the thoughts so that the person that we're talking to is not more confused after our conversation than they were to start with? Well, to address some of those questions, our congregation is learning five summary statements that can help us communicate to our culture the gospel of Jesus Christ clearly and concisely. And in the process of learning those five statements, we're also uh, learning more of what we believe and why we believe what we believe. Now, in our third week, our first week, we learned the statement that was centered on the phrase, heaven is a free gift. And I encouraged our congregation each week to write down the statement, review it daily, commit it to memory, so that if you learn just one sentence each week, then by the end of the five weeks, we'll have memorized all five of these statements. The first statement was, because of God's grace, heaven is a free gift. It is not earned or deserved. Can we say that together? Because of God's grace, heaven is a free gift. It is not earned or deserved. Can we say it again? Because of God's grace, heaven is a free gift. It is not earned or deserved. Then last week when we gathered together, we learned our second statement, and that was, man is a sinner and cannot save himself. Can we say that together? Man is a sinner and cannot save himself. Again, man is a sinner and cannot save himself. Well, this is our third week, and we want to learn our third statement. And this is the third statement. Just listen to me say it. God is loving and merciful and does not want to punish us. But God is also just and must punish sin. Now, some of you are going, ah, that's the longest statement yet, Pastor. Well, I know it's been a while for some of us since we did memorization. So let me see if I can help you with uh, getting this particular statement. 
It revolves around two what might appear to be contrary, but as we see, they're not contrary, concepts. God being loving and merciful, God being just. And so if you were just to focus on those key words, you'll see how it makes sense. Loving and merciful, just. God is loving and merciful. Well, what does that mean? That means he really doesn't want to punish us. But God is also just. What does that mean? It means he must punish sin because he wouldn't be just if sin wasn't punished. So the statement is, God is loving and merciful and does not want to punish us, but God is also just and must punish sin. Let's say the first part together, shall we? God is loving and merciful and does not want to punish us. Say it again. God is loving and merciful and does not want to punish us. The second is, but God is also just and must punish sin. So we say that together. But God is also just and must punish sin. Again, but God is also just and must punish sin. Now let's put the two together. God is loving and merciful and does not want to punish us. But God is also just and must punish sin. Now we're going to repeat that several times through our time together today as we look at that. Uh, You know, in the culture that we minister to today, there is a lack of appropriate fear uh, for God. And that's because of, uh, of a century of preaching. In this last century, pulpits have given extraordinary attention to the love of God and that attribute, so much so that they've almost altogether excluded the other attributes of God, such as His holiness and His justice. And of course, one of the reasons for this preoccupation with a one-sided uh, issue of God's love is that anything related to love is immediately and immensely popular. I mean, if you were to walk the streets of a city, even a city as corrupt and godless as San Francisco, with the message announcing God loves you, you're likely to be received with welcome arms. Uh, God's love is the popular message of today. People want to hear about God's love. Many television evangelists and preachers are reaping great rewards for preaching on this very popular topic. However, when you start to talk about sin and the need for repentance... And God's coming judgment, your welcome quickly diminishes. The God is love fixation is actually relatively new in human history. John MacArthur wrote, people in past generations often went to the opposite extreme. They tended to think of God as stern, demanding, cruel, even abusive. They so magnified God's wrath that they virtually ignored his love. Little more than a hundred years ago, nearly all evangelistic preaching portrayed God only as a fierce judge whose fury burned against sinners. Now, because of the influence of modern liberal theology, many suppose that God's love and goodness ultimately nullify His righteousness, justice, and holy wrath. They envision God as a benign heavenly grandfather, tolerant, affable, lenient, permissive, devoid of any real displeasure over sin who without consideration of his holiness will benignly pass over sin and accept people as they are. Now, several of the very worst corruptions of Christian truth are based on the notion that God can be understood solely in terms of his love. Those who hold such a perspective often refuse to acknowledge God's wrath against sin because they believe he cannot be both loving and angry with sinners. So in our pursuit of a biblical understanding on this matter, Some of us may need to shed some of our popular sentimental notions about divine love. 
Now, there are many attributes that describe God or a facet of God's character. Partial list could include love, holiness, justice, wrath, wisdom, blessedness, omnipresence, omniscience, omnipotence, truthfulness, mercifulness, and so forth. When Scripture speaks about God's attributes, it never singles out one attribute as being more important than the rest. There's an assumption that all attributes uh, are equal and that each is equally true of God. For example, when the Apostle John writes that God is light in chapter 1, and then in chapter 4 writes that God is love, there's no suggestion that part of God is light and part of God is love. God is light and God is love. Light is not more important than love. Love is not more important than light. God is light. God is love. Now, I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles and open to Exodus chapter 34, because here we're going to find a passage where God describes himself in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 34. And as you're turning there, I'll, I'll provide the setting. Moses has been invited by God to come back to the mountain so that a second set of stone tablets containing the Ten Commandments can be prepared. Remember, he destroyed the first one on the golden calf. And uh, so, in any event, we have this passage now in Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 and following, where God describes himself. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Now, this passage does not begin describing one God and then halfway through verse 7 begin describing another God. There is only one God, and this God is here describing himself, and he describes himself as simultaneously being both loving and just in dealing with the guilty. Now, you say, that, well, that's the Old Testament, pastors, or something in the New Testament. Well, let's look at Romans chapter 11. If you'd like to turn there in your Bibles, Romans chapter 11. While you're turning there, I'll say that Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11 is where the Apostle Paul describes how the promise of the blessing that God made to Abraham has now become available to a people who are not physically his descendants. Now, our key verse, the one that we're really looking for, is verse 22, but I'd like you to understand the context, so I'm going to begin reading at verse 17. We're in Romans chapter 11, and I'm beginning in verse 17. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel, have been broken off. And you Gentiles, who were branches from a wild olive tree, have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch, not the root. Well, you might say, those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you were there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. 
For if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. Notice how God is both kind and severe. Verse 22 describes God as being simultaneously kind and severe. He is severe towards those who disobeyed, but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. So Paul describes God as being both kind and severe at the same time. And that the facet of God that you experience is based on what side of grace you are standing. Well, it can be rather confusing if you don't really understand the two sides of this one coin we're exploring. God's justice and his mercy and how they go hand in hand. More tomorrow here on Study Verse by Verse as Pastor Leighton Sheely continues our series called Sharing Jesus. If you would like to know more about Study Verse by Verse, Pastor Leighton Sheely, or Church of the Highlands, we invite you to spend time on our website getting to know us a bit more. Highlands.us is where you'll find us on the web. Again, that's Highlands.us. And always consider this a personal invitation to join us for worship here at Church of the Highlands. Details at Highlands.us. Until tomorrow, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.